listeners. This is Macy. And this is Nicole. And you're listening to Buzzkillers. <laughs> we decided how we were going to say that <laughs> and right then out the gate. Proceeded to say it like 18 times. Well, how did you say it? Buzzkiller. No, it wasn't but, like that. I was like, Buzzkiller. 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 Oh my gosh, we're back at you. Episode yes, 13. 13. Lucky 13. And uh, we're slipping, we're switching around on you guys this week. Mm. So Sorry. If you Ooh. haven't, if you didn't, I mean, okay. Wait, I'm just going to try and start that sentence over again. <laughs> <laughs> I literally haven't taken a single sip of wine yet. No, I uh, just took a little one. If you missed the chat we had last time, you missed the fact that it's Macy's birthday month. Oh! So we switch things around because on her birthday weekend, she's covering a story that takes place on her birthday. Yay! So we're switching it up a little bit so she can have her weekend. And guys, this might be a two-parter. Oh my God. It's probably going to be a two-parter. It's most likely going to be a two-parter. <laughs> we'll probably have to like stop recording at like a little over an hour yeah. and like pause. But I've been trying to like really work my notes. So it's like, okay, this would be a good place to stop. Yeah. Or here. So I yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna um, be an interesting one, guys. It's gonna be so good. <laughs> I still have so many things to do for it. Oh I have hair in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Yummy. Okay. Yeah. But guys, this week we are drinking this delicious wine. It's really good. It's also got this great ass bottle. Yeah. I like I don't even remember where I found this, to be honest. I don't remember what liquor store I was in that I found this. But it's it wasn't called... with me. It wasn't when with no. me. We found the Walking Dead one with me. I think it might have been the one that was over where we got the wine near me where cool. I live. But it's called Jawbreaker and it is a Cabernet Sauvignon. Cabernet Sauvignon. <laughs> and it's got these like skeletons with roses throughout them on the bottle. It's really cool. She sees in black and white, thinks in gray, but loves in color. That's what the back of it says. Profound. Right? (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool. It's actually really cool. I went to the liquor store yesterday with Tyler and... Um, they have out all of like their like spooky wines in the center, mm. uh, like in the center part of the store because like Halloween's coming. And so yeah. they have like I, they had another one of the um, the Moscato that we had that was so good with the ske- dancing skeletons on it. They have a different kind. Ooh, um, Forget what it's called, but we'll try it. La Cantina. La Cantina. Yes. they. I saw one of those. There were a couple of other ones with like skulls on them. I was like. Awesome. Oh, say so when we went there was there was quite a few. I've seen quite a few. I still want that one that has like the blood drips down the bottle. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I forgot about that one. There's so many. Yeah. We thought we were like, oh, we're probably gonna run out eventually. I don't know, guys. There's a lot more <laughs> of these than you think. <laughs> we could start getting them online too. Sometimes that is true. People let you do that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think you can get wine delivered to New York. Yeah. I probably. Say, I remember like, I think it was like a year or two ago, it became a thing in Massachusetts where you could finally get wine delivered to you because for a long time you couldn't. Well, you can't even go to the liquor store in Massachusetts on the weekend, right? It's like closed on Sundays. Oh, no, that's changed. Oh, changed? That used to be a thing. My dad was like, they won't let you get back. I say certain <laughs> places might still abide by it, but nah. That would suck. It. I mean, 
they'd lose so much business just because of football Sundays. Oh my God, football like, Sunday, hell yeah. <laughs> Especially I forgot those are coming up. In Massachusetts, if you don't, I mean, if you don't live there, you don't really know, you can't get liquor or beer outside of a liquor store. You, you can't, can't really get wine <clears throat> or beer here either. Well, you can get beer at like oh, a at grocery store. Oh, the beer at the store. grocery store, but you can't get wine. In South Carolina, you yeah. can get wine. yeah. That was awesome. One of the few things I miss. I would say that that's the one thing I enjoy here is that you can actually get beer in the liquor store, in the grocery store. When you don't have anything, I'm sure that that is like the best. Mm -hmm. It was a pain because every time you went, like you couldn't just like go grocery shopping and pick up a six pack while you were in Massachusetts. It was like you had to go out of your way to go find a liquor store. I have noticed this though about Wegmans. Um, which is a brand out here in central New York, big, big company, huge um, grocery stores. They have <laughs> all like everyone I've seen, basically, maybe not the one closest to us, but there's the one near you. And mm-hmm. then there's the one kind of out towards Tyler's mom's house, too, um, that they have like liquor stores next to them. Like yeah. purposefully mm-hmm. because they want you to be able to even, buy wine um, and crap after even the tops. Which is another grocery mm-hmm. store has a liquor store directly next to it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. Um. But yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, now that you you've been educated on liquor stores in Massachusetts and New York, we're <laughs> we're gonna move on. We're gonna move on. I don't really think we have any big updates. We're getting ready for our Halloween party. Oh yeah! If you've been watching our Instagram stories, we've been putting up some cool things i was gonna say this is gonna be the last episode to come out before the party happens because this will this is our first episode of oh this is our first episode of november yeah november it's actually gonna be on november 1st yeah that's gonna be posted so guys this is um day after halloween technically technically yes (laughs) we're not recording it then but but it will be um so how was your Halloween? Tell us. Yes, what you do? Send us pictures of your costumes. Yes, because you're going to get so many of ours. Thank you, Tyler. Oh. Shout out to Tyler. He's bringing my dog water because he's great. <laughs> and walking around. And he's trying to find his cell phone because Hold on one he second. constantly loses it. Right, so Sorry t- about that. <laughs> Tyler still couldn't find his phone, but uh, interruptions I think might be done. <laughs> I, 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 I hope. He's never done that before. Um, so, Macy, what is our November topic? <gasps> familicide. Thank you for saying it. I cannot pronounce that word. <laughs> <laughs> it is familicide. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to like, I'm forgetting that like this happens like we can't post it on November 1st what it's going to be which is when this comes out yeah because that'll be we'll have to do it on the 31st i mean we can do it sooner it doesn't matter but anyway (laughs) our topic for november is familicide yes that and it's so exciting we are not doing chris watts don't ask no that still that case still makes me very bitter (laughs) i'm upset he wants him to die in a hole i really don't like him painfully and oh anyway so and i just thought that would be it's just like the the documentary just came out and like I yeah. I just wanted to do new things. So we have some awesome cases lined up. We really up do. For this topic, guys. There's so many things to do and it's sad. So just be prepared. Trigger warning right up front. Very, yeah. very sad stuff these are, happening. These are very sad, actually. Yeah, and we've like we've got like a case that has spook spook in it too. Oh my god, I can't wait. 
It's going to be so good. I mean, I I feel like you'll be able to guess. Ooh, I have ideas. We, I'll have to tell you on a break. Okay. Because I keep being like, wait, talking about the podcast and us posting stuff and like, oh, wait. Uh. If, you, if you think you might forget them, write it down. <laughs> no, I won't forget. <laughs> I'm the kind of person that will be like, oh, my God, I have a great idea. Ask me in 10 minutes. And then 10 minutes later, I'll be like, what was that great idea? And I'll be like. What are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> what great I mean, idea. You've seen me literally lose my train of thought in the middle of a conversation and be like, shit, what was I talking about? <laughs> so, because I get off on a tangent and then I can't even remember. Anyway. You do that all so, the time. Familia side, guys. Get ready. Yeah. Get ready for some crazy shit that families so, do to their families. Oh my God. I've got my notes mislabeled up here. Oh no. Because I like, I, we switched all the episodes around. So I had the wrong episode number. Oops. Now I'm fucking things up. Christ on a cracker. I Sorry, that's a really terrible thing I say. <laughs> Christ, Christ on a cracker. We're going to get started here in the next five seconds. <laughs> now that I've fixed my notes and I, my OCD is okay. <laughs> okay, Nicole, so what are we talking about today? Guys, we're talking about the crazy and terrible lady named Diane Downs. Dun, dun. She is a mean lady. I... And, and a crazy lady. I've heard about this case before, like briefly, but I don't know very much about it. So I'm very excited. There's, oh, I I have got quite a few notes on this and I probably could have kept going and I could have included, like, I'll tell, like, I'll tell you why I didn't include it later on, but there was like a whole chunk that I ended up just leaving out for a particular reason, but you'll see why. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. So uh, Diane Downs was born on August 7th of 1955. She is from Phoenix, Arizona. Her birth name was actually Elizabeth Diane Fredrickson. Her parents were Wes and Willa Dean Fred- Fredrickson. What a name. I love that Willa name. Dean. Willa Dean. That reminds me of Paula Dean. <laughs> Can I have some butter with my Crisco? <laughs> Paula Dean. She can say racist things and apparently not have very many problems. Which, god damn it. (laughs) I hate that. I know. Why are you racist and you're allowed to still be a star? Anyway. Right though? That's tangent. This world is terrible. (laughs) What were we talking about? (laughs) Willa Dean. Willa Dean. Okay, got it. So she is the oldest of four kids. Um, and that's the most you really hear about her family. Her family doesn't really come too much into play in this. Cause they probably like, bye. Well, her dad, her dad does a little bit later on. Um, but you don't really learn much about her siblings or anything. Okay. Um, so growing up, she actually claimed that her dad frequently molested her. And then he comes into play later on and is probably like. Mm-hmm. You'll mm. see. So yeah, that's, that's like one of the first facts I tell you, and just remember that one. It's important. <laughs> so um, she, when she was going into high school, that is when she dropped her first name. She okay. stopped going by Elizabeth, and she started going by Diane. Okay. She attended Moon Valley High School in Phoenix, and this is where she met her her husband. Okay. High school um, sweethearts. Yes. Got it. So they started dating, and her parents did not approve. At the time, she was only 14. He was 16, um, and his name was Steve Downs. Okay. Where she eventually gets her last name, obviously. Um, 
after graduation, Steve went off into the Navy for a little while, and she went to Pacific Coast Baptist Bible College, and they tried to, like, they told each other, like, oh, we're still going to be faithful, we're still going to make the relationship work, and a year and a half later, Diane got expelled from school for promiscuity. (laughs) (laughs) Um, that didn't work. Yeah. Did I say that word right? Promiscuity, yeah. Promiscuous. Sounded weird coming She's out of my promiscuous. mouth. Promiscuous. Yeah. <laughs> promiscuous like, for, girl. For some reason, that didn't sound right when I said it. I was like, wait a second. Promiscuity. Well, I feel like it's, <laughs> I, I, I feel like you say it promiscuous, but then when you say it that other when you say it in the different tense, it's promiscuity. Yeah. So I feel it's like that change weird. of the PRM yeah. sound is what makes it confusing. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> grammar lessons with Macy. <laughs> We're just learning you guys a bunch of things today. <laughs> learning. You can do some learning. Getting some learning done. <laughs> so, anyway. So she moved back home with her parents and Steve returned from the Navy in November of 1973. And that same month they got married. And he knows nothing about her promiscuity. Right. Um, And uh, their relationship and their marriage was just terrible from the start. No. Yeah. It was just they constantly fought about infidelities on Diane's end. Oh, my God. I guess they fought a lot about money, too. They never really were, like, monetarily stable. Well, didn't she have, like, a... I thought, like... Maybe I'm wrong about this. Didn't she have, like, a spending habit? Not that I really heard about. Maybe I'm thinking about something different. I know it does come up a couple times where it talks about that she like always had a lot of financial issues. Well. So maybe she did. She probably has some sort of <laughs> shopping addiction. Um, so despite all of these issues, they had a child together in October of 1974. Their first child and her name was Christy. Hmm. And then just six months after Christy is born, Diane decides she's going to join the Navy. She, she lasts only three weeks. And gets kicked out for promiscuity. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd believe it if it did happen. <laughs> oh, God. She actually gets sent home. She it, Okay, there was no explanation to this, but it says she gets sent home due to severe blistering. It didn't say where. It didn't say why. Like, it just said she had severe blisters and they sent her home. And I'm like, okay, that could be like, like on her hands from like, like from what? From training. Like, fr- like, but like, did she eat hot food and she's got blisters in her mouth? Like, like there's, there's so where many are the blisters? Ways, there's so many ways this could go. I was like, this, okay, this doesn't really make sense, but whatever. Um, <laughs> Where are anyway. these mysterious blisters? And how did you get them, ma'am? Oh, my God. And she actually tries to deny this fact. And she tries to say that she left the Navy on her own free will because she felt that Steve was neglecting their daughter at home. I'm sure. Mm. I'm sure. <laughs> and again, throughout all their issues, they have another child. And she's born in January of 1976, and her name is Cheryl. And (laughs) after this, fun fact, Steve was like, okay, we don't really have the money. I'm going to get a vasectomy. And then a couple months later, hmm, Diane's pregnant. 
<laughs> From who? Um, it's the she, promise duty, guys. Uh, she actually ends up aborting this baby. Mm-hmm. And even though she aborted it, she named the baby Carrie, which I thought was very strange. I just feel like if uh, like if you were to abort a child, I wouldn't want to name it. I feel like that's a way to get attached. That would make me more sad. Yeah. Give, yeah. But anyway. She's crazy. So after this, they end up moving from Phoenix to Mesa, Arizona. And they both got jobs working at a mobile home manufacturing company. And this is when Diane just like started having affairs like left and right. Like just just openly didn't care. And she became pregnant again. And this time she went through with it. Like, don't be silly. Wrap your willy. Like, what is up with you? (laughs) Like, (laughs) like you'd think that she would want to like hide this. Like, wow. Way to make it obvious. The (laughs) anger with which you just told people to wrap their willies is probably the greatest thing I've heard. Guys, (laughs) seriously. Like, there's ways to prevent this. Oh, my God. Okay. So... She goes through with this pregnancy, and in December of 1979, she gives birth to Daniel, a.k.a. Danny. They call him Danny. Her husband's a fucking saint for putting up with this shit. Steve knew the baby was not his, (sighs) and, like, but tried to raise Daniel as his own. Oh, what a stand-up gentleman. Except this didn't last for very long, because eventually Steve was like, okay, I'm fucking done with you cheating on me. And they get divorced in the late Good in late you, 1980. So, um, even after they divorced, she just continued with her string of affairs. Um, she was constantly like moving in and out of different men's homes. She was sleeping with married men. She also kept trying to rekindle her relationship with her ex husband. I hate that. And so she's like, it's she was just crazy with men it was just terrible weird that sounds like sex addiction or something kind of it's okay. like this dependency that like they can't be alone or yeah something. yeah and so to me ems me diane actually tries to become a surrogate mother and what the fuck she fails the exam twice being named as intelligent but psychotic good <laughs> they're like nah son and this, the best part is she thought this fact was hilarious. She bragged about, about failing these exams and being called intelligent but psychotic to her friends. And her friends were like, oh. <laughs> um, um, This makes me nervous for you, ma'am. Um, and after a little while, she manages to get a job and she's delivering mail for the United States Postal Service. That's so the USPS. And her, the kids are constantly being bounced around between being watched by the parents, being watched by her ex-husband, and also being watched by Danny's father. Um, what? Yeah. They never give his name. Um, he kind of stays out of yeah. it. But he does, like, watch the children. Okay. Um, and it, a lot of the neighbors said that they were really concerned about when she did have the kids because she was constantly gone. She was like, the kids were dressed poorly, like mismatched and dirty. And they said that frequently the kids would like ask them for food because they were hungry. And um, they even said that like, if she couldn't get a sitter and had to go to work, she'd leave the six year old in charge. What? Yeah. I mean, if, 
if my child was like 13, I'd be like, yeah, okay, just don't open the fucking yeah, door. That's about when not my parents started leaving me of, home. Not six. Six years old. What the fuck? No, like yeah. Six years old? Like, you don't even know how to tie your shoes at six years old. <laughs> so, in 1981, this is what really does Diane in. Okay. Um, She finally, finally gets accepted to be a surrogate mother. And she makes 10 grand for this. Um, she successfully carries the child to term and, um, she actually like discovers she loves this experience and she tries to open her own clinic and what fails like immediately. (laughs) What? Yeah. She like, she absolutely loved being a surrogate mother and wants to have her own clinic and it bombed like straight off, straight from the start. People are like, you cray. Yeah. And... (laughs) So she decides that um, she's going to follow her parents who just moved to Oregon and she actually gets a job with the USPS up there. So okay. she's going to be transferred. And just before the move, she ends up meeting a man at her current at her current place of work named Robert Knickerbocker. OK. And this is like this. I call this the catalyst. OK. Um, so he goes he goes by the nickname Nick. Nick. Because his last name is Knickerbocker. Um, and he was one of her coworkers. She fucking fell hard and fast for this guy. And mm. they did have an affair. He was a married man, but at the time he was having marriage problems and he was briefly separated from his wife. Um, and Diane started demanding that he leave his wife. So after beginning to demand that he leaves his wife, he, I'm sorry, she claims that Nick told her that he would greatly like leave his wife, didn't care, would follow her to Oregon, wanted to be with her. Okay. He says this is not true. <laughs> he actually ends up ending their relationship because she's like, okay, well, if like you're not gonna leave your life, your wife, like what the fuck? And he's like, okay, well, I don't, I don't actually don't want to leave my wife. I want to try and make things work. And so he ends things with her. Ooh. And she doesn't take this very well no oh, i'm sure she was obsessed with this man and she so she does go forward with moving to oregon mm-hmm. but she continues to write him letters like all the time weird show up at his house like randomly would go home and show up at his house what? and finally it was in april of 1983 that she showed up on his front doorstep and nick is like this needs to stop. Like, you are done. We like, are we, done. This is not happening. Yeah, like, what the hell? Like, I do not want to be with you. I don't want to father your children. I do not want to be with you. Whoa. And it was that that completely set her off. Ooh. Because she heard, I don't want to father your children. And that's where police believe her motive comes from. Because she was so obsessed with this man. She wants to be with him any way she can. So without her kids. Mm-hmm. But did he mean like, I don't want to father your children. Like, I don't want to be the father to your children. Or I don't want to give you children. Like, to like, make well, you pregnant. They actually end up interviewing him. Um, I like, I got a lot of the ep- the information from this from the 2020 episode on ABC. And okay. Is it ABC? Or NBC? Whatever, one of those. <laughs> Wherever 2020 is. <laughs> Sorry. Like, I think it's ABC. But uh, anyway, um, they interview him and he was like, 
you know, this is, it's an affair, it's a fling. I didn't want to be involved with her children because I didn't want them to get attached to me. He was like, I knew it wasn't going to go anywhere. I didn't want them to get to know me and then me leave. Exactly. Because that's like, she's been letting all these men do this, like however, for however long. Yeah. And And like, that's traumatizing for kids. mm -hmm, Exactly. And, but Diane doesn't really understand this and takes it very poorly. Um, So now we're going to flash forward to the incident. And then we're going to backtrack. Okay. So on May 19th of 1983, happy birthday to my mother. That is my mother's birthday. <laughs> oh my God. Not, not 83, but May 19th. She wishes it was 83. I love you, mom. I promise you, you're not that old. Um, oh. <laughs> she does it all the time. I'm old. I'm like, no, you're not. Um, <laughs> my mom does that too. <laughs> I love you, mom. Shout out to my mom. Shout out. <laughs> so May 19th, 1983. Diana shows up at the emergency room at the Mackenzie Williamette Hospital in Springfield, Oregon. Okay. She comes running through the door. She has been shot in the forearm. She tells doctors that her children are still in the car and they were shot in an attempted carjacking. So just to give you some perspective, at the time, Diane was 27 years old. Okay. Her children, Christy was eight, Cheryl was seven, and Danny was three. Okay. So the backseat of Diane's car is fucking covered in blood. Oh my Absolutely God. covered in blood. Cheryl, the, mi- the middle child, was immediately pronounced dead. No. Christy and Danny, they thought they were dead. That's how barely hanging on they were. Oh. Um, so this is what Diane claims happened this night. Mm. They had been visiting a friend of hers in a town called Marcola. And on the drive back, they Mm. decided to take a scenic route. She said that they frequently would do that. They would just take back roads to go sightseeing. Let me tell you, it was 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, you're not sightseeing shit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So on their drive back, she goes down one of these back roads, and it is a very, very back road. Like, it is dirt. It is... Like, no street lights, no lines on the road. There's nothing around. Um, and she comes across a man who's standing in the middle of the road. And she describes him as bushy-haired. He was a bushy-haired vagabond. And he's standing there flag trying to flag her down. Okay. So she pulls over to see what's wrong. thinking he just needs some help. Maybe his car broke down or something. Right. And... This this blows my mind, first of all. I would, like, backhand anybody that ever did this. this. is so dumb. Don't do this. If some of you get flagged down, do not get out of your car. You sit in the car. She gets out of her car. And I'm like, you, you stay in your car. You roll the window down like a crack. And you say, can I help you with something? Are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah. Like, <laughs> find out what's needed. If a gun is pulled, then you can still just drive away. Uh, <laughs> but anyways... Um, her children were apparently asleep in the back seat when this happened. Oh, so you're definitely sightseeing. Mm-hmm. Fucking idiot. Yeah. So he pulls a gun on her. She she had pulled over, stepped out, and asked him if he, what was wrong. He pulled a gun and demanded the car. And Diane said no. And that was when she claims he took the gun and started shooting through the window. And what? shooting her children. Okay. So uh, Diane... Like, 
briefly fights with a man, pretends to throw her keys over the car and off into the bushes to try and distract him and pushes him away. Once she does this, she gets back in the car and before she can start speeding away, the guy tries one more time to stop her and tries, he reaches through the car window and shoots her in the arm. Oh, okay. And right after that happens, she hits the gas and speeds off. And she speeds right to the emergency room at the hospital. And that's where the story picked up. Okay. So there, straight off the bat, the police get called and they're really suspicious. Things just don't make sense. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. What <laughs> freak nugget was i doing here there was like a gap in my notes where i like must have hit the enter button by accident like four times <laughs> <laughs> i've done that i've been like where's my note hey, what was i doing um, so the police get there and she is just calm and cool it's a cucumber your children just got shot and one of them is pronounced dead and you have a bullet hole bullet hole in your own and arm. you're like mm, it's okay like, so what the fuck? Uh, when she first got to the hospital the first thing she tried to do of all things she tried to do was call robert knickerbocker fucking bitch mm-hmm. i just can't <laughs> i they did not say if this call was successful i don't believe it was um, probably was like she probably was like hi it's me <laughs> just fucking click can you just imagine like <laughs> yeah and those phones at the time they had like the bells in them that's how they rang Mm -hmm. so if you hung them up really hard they'd go like ding ding (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so instead of reaching out to the father of the children that are fucking shot she tries to call this man that she's obsessed with she doesn't even check to see if her own kids are okay oh my god so one of the doctors on site that night is he did an interview for 2020 and mm-hmm. he talks about his name was his name was Dr. Stephen Willite Willite I want to say Willite I can read okay <laughs> W I L H I T E Willite and yeah, well, I mean you'd he'd have to be like Willite Willite uh, <laughs> sounds I'm, Russian yeah or like German, German. Or Willite I mean, Willite <laughs> <laughs> okay I am anyway. Dr. Willite. <laughs> so when he was working in the emergency room that night and they sent him straight to help out christy and he said her pupils were extremely dilated and her blood pressure was practically non-existent oh my god he literally thought she was dead oh no like they didn't think she was gonna survive oh my gosh um she probably lost a lot of blood so he gets her all like taken care of and comes back and he comes back to find Diane. And when he gets to Diane, he claims that she was not emotional. She, there's like no tears. And he claims that she said, and I quote, I really ruined my new car. I got blood all over the back. Mm-hmm. Your child is laying in a hospital bed. Oh my god! One of them's dead. What a fucking psychotic bitch! Ugh, it kills me. It really does. Um, so uh, Detective Doug Welch was the officer who received the call from dispatch about the incident, mm-hmm. 
And he gets to the hospital and immediately interviews Diane about what happened. Yeah. Got he this wild said, ass story. He he says, and this is another quote, um, her demeanor was flat. Not one tear. Ugh. Yeah. So they take police back to they take police. <laughs> police take Diane back to the scene of the crime. The wine's good, guys. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> and the um they find several twenty two caliber bullet casings, but no weapon. Mm-hmm. Um when they get back to the hospital, this is when Diane is informed about the conditions of her children. Okay. So she is told that Cheryl is dead. And that Christy and Danny are barely hanging on. Oh, my God. Um, they said, both hospital staff and police said that her demeanor was just inappropriate. Oh. So they tell her that Danny is paralyzed. Oh the God. bullet hit his spine. He will be, he's paralyzed from the waist down. Oh, my God. She is more shocked about the fact that the bullet hit his spine and not his heart than anything else. Oh, my God. At least pretend to be concerned. Right? Like, <laughs> seriously. And Christy, um, she actually ended up having a stroke due to her injuries. Mm. So uh, Christy, at the time, is temporarily paralyzed. She can't speak. She can't move. Oh, my gosh. And so that means she can't tell the police anything. What's been happening, yeah. Um, And Danny was asleep at the time of the incident. He was actually asleep at the time of the incident, so he doesn't even know what happened. What what happened at all, yeah. Um, So the only only person they can really talk to is Diane. Mm. And their suspicion is already kind of there just because of how she's been acting. Yeah, and her story is completely weird. Mm-hmm. At this point, they had the local towns in a fucking panic because they think there's this crazed man out there with a gun. Shooting kids in cars. Shooting kids in cars, yeah. And they're like, okay, he's armed because we didn't find the gun. So he's Shit. on the loose. Yeah. So they've got the the local towns are basically in lockdown. They're knocking on doors. They're stopping cars. She does a sketch with the police and it's, they find nothing. They've got (laughs) like, nobody has any idea who this bushy haired man is. Like nobody can even come forward and be like, well, he kind of looks like, like nothing. Absolutely nothing. Oh my God. And so their suspicions got even worse when Diane actually went to visit Christy. Once she was out of surgery and she goes into Christie's room and according to both the doctors and the police that were in the room at the time, the moment that Diane entered the room, it was like Christie's eyes just glazed over with fear and her heart rate probably was shot up. uh, It was like 174 uh, beats per minute. Oh my God. She was terrified. Oh my God. If you didn't know anything had, like, I mean, if you can't tell that her motherfucker did something, like, mm-hmm. you're fucking crazy. So we, uh, get, we get into the investigation, and police start having a really hard time matching the evidence to Diane's story. Oh, I wonder why. <laughs> the blood spatter in the car is entirely in the back seat, okay? 
Remember, she claims that when she got back in the car, the carjacker tried once more to get her out of the car and shot her in the arm. So there would be blood in the driver's seat. There would be blood in the driver's seat and all over the place. There is not a single drop of blood anywhere in the front seat. Really? Even if her even if her wound was still bleeding. Oh. <laughs> when she showed up to the hospital, her arm was neatly wrapped in a towel. Um, I'm sorry. The first thing I would do is run to my child and yep. try to stop whatever bleeding was coming out of them. I'm I would I would have been driving. I would not even care about the wound in my arm. I literally would be running red lights, driving 500 miles an I hour. I know there would be so much blood in that seat. bleeding all over myself. <laughs> oh my god! Wake up! Stay awake! Stay awake! Yeah, like, I, I literally, like, I practically serious? would have driven my car through the front door of the ER. Like, oh my god! Get my children and help them. Like. I would have been up on that fucking curb and they would have been like, excuse me, ma'am. No, get my kids. Like, what the fuck? Right. And what they said is um, when when a gun is fired, there is a small amount of gunpowder that is expelled from the gun out the front. There was not also no gunpowder in the front seat either. So it's not even like she wiped the blood off the seat. Like there was no evidence that she was shot in the front seat anywhere. Oh, my God. Um, there was gunpowder in the backseat where the kids had been shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had been shot in the left arm, the forearm, and she mm-hmm. was right-handed. That was another fact they pointed out. Well, but if he shot her through the car window, that would make sense. It was open. Oh, okay. But I think... Because your left arm, if you're driving, is the one that's... Yeah, it would make sense. That's... It would... But she is also right-handed, so it's also so, convenient. Mm, yeah, okay. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. I get it. I get it. She could have um, shot herself if yeah. you didn't um, get that already. Forensics. Also, I just apparently drew a on myself because I'm a huge slob. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> Forensics also found a, tiny bits of blood spatter on the outside of the car door hmm. towards the bottom. Not like on the door. It was like the very bottom, like towards the ground. And it was little tiny flecks, but it was okay. definitely blood. Okay. And she claims all of the bullets have been fired inside, inside the, the car. car. So that does not make sense. Yeah. Like how did blood get outside of the mm-hmm. car? Hmm. Okay. So police actually believe that Cheryl managed to open the door and fell to the ground where she was shot and that might explain the blood spatter on the bottom of the door oh my god yeah that's really heartbreaking um and then eventually a witness comes forward and they say they not only saw diane's car that night but they had to pass it what so he said that she was driving no more than five to ten miles an hour, contradicting her story of speeding to the hospital. He <gasps> said that, okay, so police broke it down and they said that the incident from how far, well, from how far away she was and she, so they said the incident had to have occurred at about 10, 15 p.m. in order for her to kind of regain her senses, get away from the scene, kind of check on the children, and then make it to the hospital where she arrived at exactly 10.48 p.m. 
This driver identified her vehicle and said he passed her at 10.20 p.m. Passed her? Like, passed her car driving. Yeah. Like, went around her. Mm Mm-hmm. Because she was barely going 10 miles an hour. She was fucking waiting for them to bleed out. Mm Mm-hmm. You could see my face fucking out. (laughs) You look so mad. (laughs) So, when they kept interviewing her, this story changed so many times. Um, And it was just like, originally it was just like little things, but it was like, where the carjacker was standing in proximity to the car. That's where she remember. was standing in proximity to the car. How she responded when he drew the gun. Little things like that. Um, and like, yeah. Stuff that you probably would fucking remember. Stuff that if that happened, I don't care. I mean, I guess adrenaline can kind of make you do crazy things and not have an easy time remembering. But Something like that happens, that's like ingrained in your mind, I think. You're like so fucking scared, like you don't know what the fuck to do. Yeah. If you're paralyzed with fear, like there's no way that you're going to forget that. And there's like, and personally. I mean, tell me if we're wrong. I don't know. I'd personally think that there's no way that you like, you'd get like, even if you didn't have an exact like, oh, he was standing two feet away from me and he drew the gun with his right you hand. Could, yeah, like, you could be like, oh, he was standing about he here. He was like, he was kind of off to my left. It's not like, oh, he was off to my left, but oh no, no, he was off to my right. Like that doesn't happen. No, you'd be like, he's oh, he was off to my left. He might've been about this distance or this distance. Yeah. But like, you're not going to be like, oh wait, never mind. He wasn't standing there. He was standing Yeah, or here. I was standing here and I did this. I responded like this when he drew the gun, not like this. Like that's that's too, too big of a detail to like forget. Yeah. Okay, that's so weird. Um. So they end up contacting Nick, who does admit to the affair. Um, he explained that when he tried to end it with Diane, she lost her mind. Yeah. And she actually became, became um, excuse me, began stalking him and even threatened his wife, like threatened to kill his wife. And messed up. so police searched her home and found dozens of diaries in which she had written to Nick. And it was what? like all these entries talked about how she wanted to be with him and there was things keeping them apart. And eventually they come across a few excerpts that talk about that he did not want children but then he but he has said in that interview that that is not what he meant (laughs) it's just ah. it's just okay terrible so they bring diane in and they're gonna do a reenactment okay this disturbs me greatly there is video of this reenactment in the 2020 episode. Ooh, okay. For a mother who just lost one of her children. And the other two are like... The other two irreparably are... Irreparably damaged. Yep, stuck in the hospital, traumatized and damaged. This woman is not behaving the way a grieving mother should be. Ugh. She spends the entire reenactment laughing and joking. What? This all can be seen in the video. All of it. She sits in the car and she primps her hair and checks her makeup and what the like, actual fuck? I'm very upset about this. And <laughs> at one point, she goes to get into the car and she 
currently at the time, she has a cast on her arm from where she was shot. She hits her cast on the steering wheel. She starts laughing, first of all. Not even in pain. And gets out of the car and starts saying, that was worse than... And stops talking. And cuts herself off. I mean, you could have said that's... I mean, I feel like covering for that could have been like, that was worse when he sh- than when he shot me. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, like... She could have, like... She could have covered that if she kept fucking talking. But she cut herself off, and that's what made... That's what all of the police were like, are you um, serious? And it, in the 2020 episode, you see her. They show this part of the reenactment on the, uh, the clip. And it switches right over to an interview they did with the, detuc- the detective, Doug Welch. Oh, cool. And he goes, basically, we filled that in, and it was... That was worse than when I shot myself. I just don't understand how dumb people can be. Like, I really don't. It gets worse. No. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, sorry. Um, so she almost like immediately starts appearing in media interviews. Just what the fuck goes and like does tons and tons of interviews and the um detective doug welch he talks about it and he says quote she couldn't keep her mouth shut she talked all the time and in a sense she was her own worst enemy i think she just liked the fucking attention that's Mm -hmm. what it sounds like and so there's a few different times so i have i have a couple quotes from her and about all these different appearances and things. So in one interview, she talked about the suspicion that was on her because mm-hmm. she, they at the time had turned the case and were looking at her. Yeah. So she kind of knew that they, that she was a suspect. Yeah. Okay. And she talked about this in one of the interviews and this is what she said. If I had shot my own children, would I not have done a good job of it? Why would I have taken my kids to the hospital? Wouldn't I have made sure they were dead and then cried crocodile tears? That's insane to think I would ever do such a thing and then bring the witnesses in against myself. That's crazy. Your face just twitched in anger. Because <laughs> you thought they were fucking dead, you asshole. Ah! <laughs> Isn't that terrible? It's terrible that's ex- like that's exactly what you did literally that's exactly what you fucking did it, like even if the suspicion was turned on you why would that be what you said why would you sit there and be like if i had shot my kids didn't you think i would have done a good job or be- done a better job like and made sure they well, were you dead didn't. basically like oh my god well you didn't and <laughs> here we are say such a thing that makes me unbelievably angry and so she goes on and she does another interview and this interview is with ann yeager and they actually have ann in the 2020 documentary okay for a lot of it she talks on this case a lot throughout the documentary and during the interview that they invited her to do they told her that she could show up with a lawyer because obviously everything was going on and she came alone Oh, Diane came along. Dame, Diane came oh, along. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I thought you were talking about the other lady. I'm sorry. No, sorry. <laughs> I was so, confused. Yeah they, t- yeah, they told Diane she could bring a lawyer to sit in with the interview, and she did not. She showed up by herself. You should have brought a lawyer. Yep. <laughs> um, Just so, an idea. 
throughout the interview, she barely talks about the kids, talks more about herself than anything. I hate that. She at one point says when the man she says when this man shot my daughter my my reaction was to snap back to my childhood to the pain that had happened to me back then what my first reaction would be to get in the fucking car and to drive the fuck away like if somebody just shot my kids first of all i would have tackled them to the ground and shot yeah, them i would have like and fucking got I- in front of the in front of the gun I would have been like, you should, like, fuck you. Yeah. Let me have that. Uh, (laughs) Even if I got shot in the process, give me the gun. (laughs) She spoke so nonchalantly about these attacks. Mm. She just, like, was so heartless. It was terrible. And she goes on and she says, again, another quote, everybody says you were lucky. Well, I don't feel very lucky. I couldn't tie my damn shoes for about two months. Insert a laugh. It is very painful and is still painful. The scar is going to be there forever. I'm going to remember that night for the rest of my life, whether I want to or not. I wasn't very lucky. I think my kids were lucky. If I had been shot the way they were, we all would have died. (laughs) I have, I have no words. My kids are lucky. And the interviewer, and she talks about, this entire interview she gave, she didn't shed a single fucking tear. And Anne said she sat through the interview and herself, the interviewer, could barely contain her tears. Like, we had a really hard time not crying about what was going on. Oh and the God. own mother did not shed a single tear. Intelligent, <laughs> but psychotic. So this this pissed off like every person that watched it. I'm sure. She lost a lot of support during this interview. I'm um, sure. <laughs> I'm absolutely sure. And in this interview, she also announces she's pregnant. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. And she Fucking goes on to bitch. say, quote, you can't replace children, but you can replace the effect they give you. What? This woman is fucking insane. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I have like no words. I'm speechless. She just like is digging herself into a hole so deep. She is How do never you gonna not cry. know that you are digging yourself into a deeper hole. Like I don't understand. So you eventually learn that she literally on her mail route picked an attractive man, showed up to his house after hours with a bottle of alcohol. And seduced him. And she had her menstrual schedule so to a T that she knew if she slept with him, she'd get pregnant. And that's exactly what happened. So she basically tricked this man into getting her pregnant. Because she wanted to have a child. That's like those people that poke holes in condoms and shit. Those people are... Those people... If you poke holes in condoms, please go away. Fuck you. Something's wrong with you. Yeah. (laughs) Fucked up. If you want a child that bad, go find somebody else that wants a child that bad. Exactly. <laughs> oh my god! And like, why she? She literally. I mean, I'm sorry. They haven't actually said that she did it yet or whatever. But she just tried to kill her fucking kids. Yep. And now she's getting pregnant with another kid for what purpose? She thought it was gonna garner her sympathy. She. Nah, it just makes you look like a promiscuous bitch. Yep. You look crazy. Like. Oh my god. So. But at this point, the focus from the police is totally on Diane. Oh, I'm sure. And 
she felt this pressure. She knew it was happening. And it, this is when she changes her story again. She comes forward on her own and comes to the police and says she believes she knows who the attacker was. He, oh, he called me by name, she tells them. And this is not in a detail that he, you... Right? They were like, well, you also said you were just taking random back roads. How would they have known where you were? Even if they did know you. If you if you were, quote unquote, sightseeing like you said you were. How did they were, know where to find you? Exactly. How did they know that's where you were going to be at that time? And so they kind of start picking up, picking her apart during this interview. And they have this on tape and you can actually hear it in the 2020. They get to the point where she just like starts saying random things. Oh, it wasn't one person. It was two people. There was two people. They were wearing ski masks. I think they might have been corrupt cops. They might have been drug dealers. She says so many different things about who these people were. The police are like, what are you doing? Just shut your fucking mouth. And she's basically losing it. She's like trying everything she can to get this away from her. And so they get to the point where they ask her, did you kill your kids? This totally sets Diane off. She's probably like, what are you talking about? Is it me? She no, in the tape, you can hear her. She loses her shit on the oh cops. My God. She starts calling them names. And she... <laughs> she's threatened them. And with what? Just like... She threatens them with her yeah. promiscuity. Well, then... <laughs> in the tape, you can hear her. And she goes, oh, I'll just... I'll have to just go bring him in myself. And they're like, how are you going to do that? I know who he is. And they're like, you know who it is now? Yes, I do. You know him by name. Yes, I do. Oh, my God. And I'm going to go get him because you won't do it. What? And then proceeds to storm out of the police station. Like, you hear her on tape get up and slam the door. And they're like, well, that's the end of that tape. Click. Oh, my God. (laughs) And so you know who he is now magically. Yeah. Like she is all over the place. And I think if she knew who he was, she would just be like, here are my kids at the hospital. I'm going to call the police. This guy tried to shoot me. I know his name. Here's his name. Yeah. Go like, get that him. is something that you would know mm-hmm. from the beginning. Unless he was like. Yeah. Fucking doesn't have a mask or something. I mean, I mean, she's a ski mask, but she's just a fucking liar. It just like does, she does not help her. Just like a dub. She does just like a t- like a nose dive. So into that hole she's been digging throughout the investigation. Remember little Christy? Well, Christy finally oh comes she's, back. Oh my god! Yes, she was only part like paralyzed for some a part yep, of the time. She was yes. only temporary. And so she'd been going to physical therapy and also seeing a counselor. So are they in her custody? No. Okay. Throughout this entire thing, they did not return. They kept these kids in the hospital and they were not in her custody. Okay, good. Um, so Chrissy's going to these sessions and the counselor says... Do you know who hurt you? And she nods. And she's like, okay, can you tell me? 
and she shakes her head. She doesn't want to talk about it. So the counselor starts this routine and every session she says, I'm going to have you write down on a piece of paper who did this. And she had a fireplace in her office and she said, I'm going to have you write it down. Then you can take the piece of paper and throw it in the fire and burn it until you feel ready that you can hand me that piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And it took months, but this eventually was like a smart fucking decision. Like good yep. for you, counselor. She eventually gets to the point where Christy writes it down and hands it to her and does not want to burn it. That piece of paper said my mom. <sighs> Which if you didn't know already. <laughs> so after they, after they get this information from Christy, the kids are placed in protective custody. Um, and obviously the, invest- the investigators were contact. Diane is arrested. So she's arrested. It's nine months after the, uh, the incident. It was February 28th of 1984 that they take her into custody. They arrest her on one count of murder, two counts of attempted murder and three counts of criminal assault. Oh my gosh. The trial started on May 10th of that same year. And um, prosecution, basically, they displayed all the evidence I just discussed. Um, Their two main focuses being the journals describing the affair and the obsession with a man who didn't want kids. Mm -hmm. Um, The second was obviously the testimony of Christy, Mm -hmm. who they talk about when she took the stand. Oh, my God. She took the stand? She had to. Against her mom. She's oh my God. nine years old. Oh, my God. And lawyers are assholes. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> my dad's a lawyer. Sorry. <laughs> um, so, but she took the stand and they said simply, do you remember who shot you? And she just said two words, my mom. Uh. Um, so, one thing that I couldn't figure out where to place this in okay. the notes so i added it here because they do bring it up in the in, in the, the trial okay when the, the shooting occurred when they were in the car the radio was on and the song hungry like a wolf was by duran duran was playing that uh, was like the big song of the summer it was played constantly and that was the song that christy said was playing on the radio when they were shot oh my god so they start playing this song in the courtroom. What the fuck? Wait, the prosecution or the defense? Prosecution. Oh, okay, okay. So they put, start playing the song, and Diane starts dancing. Mouthing the words, bopping her head, tapping her toes. What the She's fuck? Like, d- dancing in her seat. Oh my god. The song should hold horrible memories. If, horrible if, it should be if, like it should be like a trigger if your story is true that song should be a fucking trigger mm-hmm. you shouldn't be dancing along to it like a fucking idiot so uh, the defense tried to argue that diane faced childhood childhood trauma being oh, assaulted her, by her father by her dad yeah and that this caused all of her odd behavior led to all the promiscuity and the behavior issues. These claims were denied by her father. Completely yeah. denied by her father. Oh, do you remember the Casey Anthony case? 
Yes. Where she said that her dad abused her in yes. trial and he, ugh, that drove me crazy. That's what I was thinking about. Yeah. That's what I was thinking Casey about. Casey Anthony tried to do that too. Yeah. Because I remember I was like, there was some case where somebody accused somebody of doing, uh, accused their father and the father was like, so taken aback. Like, like what? what? Yeah. Yeah. They were like with her. Yeah. From the beginning. And then she was like, oh, that's, my dad abused me. And they were like, what? That's what I was thinking of. Because for some reason I thought it was this and it didn't happen that way. And I was like, what was I thinking no, about? Casey that's Anthony. exactly what I was thinking about. She did that. Um, Like, what the fuck's wrong with you? So, and actually a long time after the trial takes place, Diane actually recants that part of her story. So that wasn't true at all. Um, At the end of the trial, Diane is found guilty. On all counts. Good. On June 17th of 1984, she is sentenced to life plus 50 years. Um, between the verdict and the sentencing, Diane gave birth to the baby she was pregnant with. Ugh. She named that baby Amy Elizabeth, and it was immediately seized by the state and adopted into another family, and the baby's name was changed to Rebecca Babcock. I will tell you a little bit about Rebecca. She is in. She comes into the 2020 interview, and it's interesting. It's very okay. interesting. Okay, cool. Um, in 1986, the lead prosecutor on the case, Fred Hughie, and his wife Joanne actually adopted Christy and Danny. <gasps> oh, yeah. I love it. So they took them in, and they have raised them. Wait, what about Steve Downs? He didn't take his own kid back because isn't Christy his kid? Mm-hmm. He, like, falls out of it. There's, like, no mention of him Weird. at all throughout was, any of this. Th- I know that this case got, like, national, made national news. Yeah. Because of what she had done. So, like, there's no way he didn't know about it. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. It is crazy to me. I would have come for it. I would have been like, that's my kid and I want fucking custody of her. Right? Give her to me now. Right? Like, and and Danny's father, like, in both of them throughout, like, it says throughout, like, Growing up, they were watched, like, both Steve and Danny's father watched the children frequently. And they just didn't... And I guess they just... I mean, it's possible they were contacted and they were like, do you want to adopt these kids? And they were like, well... At this point, we haven't played a big part in their life. Yeah, you know, it might be better if somebody else takes them, but that's strange to me. Yeah. Sorry. But, um... So, (laughs) three years into Diane's sentence, she escapes prison. What? <laughs> um, she went missing for two weeks. Oh my god! And there was a countrywide search. Countrywide. What did she like dig out oh. of her like cell with a spoon or something? <laughs> All the way from Arizona to Oregon, and they had Mister Missing Posters. Police were like everywhere looking for her, everywhere. And she had actually taken off the jacket she had scaled the 16 foot fence around the prison thrown the jacket over the barbed wire and hopped the fence she went into the parking lot hid under one of the cars took off her jumper her prison uniform and left what the heck Um, oh my god yep (laughs) she hitched a ride from just some random people they dropped her off at like some random restaurant not too far away and she was actually found in the home only a few blocks away from the prison of another inmate's husband 
Oh my god, yes, I remember that. Yep. <laughs> oh my god. So they oh. first of all, they interviewed this guy in the 2020 episode, and he is a bl- like fucking idiot. Oh my god. <laughs> like you he, have to be to like he high to want to sound like the stereotypical stoner. That like if you pictured a stereotypical stoner, <laughs> that is exactly what he sounds Dude. like. Dude, literally. It's tubular. <laughs> So they, the reason she got there was her and that inmate were planning an escape and they, that inmate had drawn a map to her husband's house, but Diane stole it and escaped on her own. Oh my God. She probably convinced him that like the girl, the, the wife said that it was okay for them to have sex too. Oh so oops did i stumble on something there so she showed up at his front door and she he said that he didn't that she didn't introduce herself by her real name but he knew who she was but he let her in anyway what he let her stay there he said he tried to just kind of keep her there and not let her go anywhere because he didn't want her to hurt anybody but he wouldn't turn her in what yep (laughs) Wait. <laughs> so when police finally figure police figured out where she was because they found the pad of paper that they had drawn the map on, and the piece of paper underneath it, you know, like when you write Still on one, has a depression. It had the depressions, and so they figured out that it was a map, and they freaking used the map to find her. And when they showed up at this house, Diane was wearing his T-shirt and a pair of his boxers and walked out of his bedroom. Macy's just shaking her head. All I can think of this is like that song. It's like promiscuous girl. Oh my god! I haven't heard that song since middle school. I know, I know. That's like the thing that keeps going on in my head. So, for that escape, she was added. She was given another five years on her sentence. Um, and she was moved to a higher security prison. (laughs) Yeah. Obviously. Um, so despite freaking terrible accusations against him made by Diane, her father still thinks she's innocent. What? He runs a website, www.dianedowns.com. In which he offers a 100k reward for anybody that can exonerate her completely. And no one can, because she did it. And he presents, and this is, this was the piece that I chose not to dive into. Because this website, he goes into why he believes she's innocent. And it was information that I came across literally nowhere else. It talks about somebody else that confessed to the murder and they didn't believe him. And I just like, this is literally like nowhere else. And this is on a website that you can tell was built by this guy. And it's so old and it's so crappy. Half the links on it don't work. Like I was like, I'm not taking information from this because I don't believe it. If I don't you would, believe it. If you would like to go read it, I just gave you the website. Please feel free to go check it out. But I... I was not going to take the time to dig through this guy's ramblings because it's like you go on there and the front page is like why she's innocent, but it's 
just this massive freaking paragraph Essay, like, and yeah. he like uses different font like fonts and colors and highlights things to like accentuate like draw attention to certain details and like it was just freaking all over the place and i was like this is like the like like freaking father like daughter like the ramblings of a madman basically oh my god and so i was like i'm not really gonna dig too deep into this but that is there he does believe she is innocent despite being accused of raping her repeatedly when she was little even though she's recanted that but yeah but like she's still accused um sorry i needed some wine (laughs) um she's a ketchup so diane still continues to change her story it like just goes all over the place she was evaluated by medical professionals they diagnosed her with narcissism and histrionic and antisocial personality disorders Histrionic was something I had never heard of. Yeah, what is that? So, a histrionic personality disorder, um, according to Google, <laughs> is thanks Google, <laughs> thanks Google, is someone who constantly seeks attention and approval, and you, it usually includes inappropriate seduction and excessive desire for approval. That is makes... that just not accurate? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, I don't like it. So, in the twenty twenty, it goes on to tell you a little bit about Rebecca Babcock, her, oh, the daughter, yeah. the baby that she gave birth to during the trial. Um, So she was taken straight from the hospital to her adoptive family. Like they already had a family lined up like to lined adopt up her. For her. Because okay. they knew the moment that Diane gave birth, this baby was going to be taken and put up for adoption. So the family was aware of who Diane was. They didn't care. They were like, there's a baby that needs a home and we yeah. want to raise it. Aww. So uh, they said that growing up, they like they were wary of her genes and they kept an eye on her for odd behaviors but nothing ever happened and she was raised like a normal child um rebecca grew up in bend oregon and she describes her childhood as like picture perfect she said she had a great life growing up and because just imagine the life she would have had if she lived with that psychopath like well it still affected her okay so during the period of time when Diane escaped prison, the parents were absolutely terrified. Oh, that they were she was going to come get her or something. Exactly. Oh my god, can you imagine? At that point, Diane was out of prison in Salem, Oregon, and they were only about 60 miles away. Oh my god. Um so this really really affected them because they had to start telling people in their lives and in Rebecca's life if you about see this woman, who her mother was. Yeah, if you see this woman, don't let her in our house. Or exactly. They had to tell, they talked about, um, they interview her mother and they talk about how she had to explain to like the daycare workers that she is not under any circumstance ever to ever be released to anyone but her and her husband. She was like, this is her mother. She has escaped from prison. Like this it is po- entirely possible that that woman might show up here and say, that's my child. Like I'm here to pick her up she cannot go with anybody but us and they had to do this to like friends parents and family members <sighs> and it kind of like it was something that they kind of planned to keep rather quiet mm-hmm. they it wasn't supposed to be a big part of her life and then it all of a sudden is which mm-hmm. is terrible and rebecca talks about how she knew she was adopted it never really bothered her she had like normal questions like who's my mom who's my dad but she said she was always more focused on who her mother was and 
her adoptive mother talks about how, you know, she'd give her just enough information to kind of calm her interest for a little while. Yeah. But she she basically just told her, like, I don't really know who your mom is. I was told she's in prison. So she wasn't a very nice lady. But I don't really know her name and I don't know where she is. She'd kind of keep it as vague yeah. as possible. And when she was 11 years old, she tricked her babysitter into telling her her mother's name. Oh, my God. She talked about, like, she had kind of gathered all these details that her adoptive parents had given her over time. And she told the babysitter all the details she'd kind of learned, kind of acting like she knew her Already mom. Already knew it, yeah. And so she talked about it nonchalantly, and the babysitter was like, oh, so you know about your mom, Diane Downs. And, and she was, was like, what? That was the first time Rebecca ever heard her name. And she talks about after that, she actually went to a Barnes and Noble and she found a book that was written by a woman named Anne Rule. Um, I'm going to fucking forget the name of my dumbass. Did not write it down. Small Sacrifices. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I know this. It was also made into um, a made for TV movie, but it's like three and a half hours long and I could not find it. Okay. Um, <laughs> it might be somewhere. I might not have dug deep enough, but I could not find it. Okay. Um, it was, I think it was made in like the early 90s and it's Farrah Fawcett played Diane Downs. Um, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> but um, she went and she found the book that Anne Rule wrote and it had some photos in it from the trial and that was one of the first times she saw her mother, her uh, biological, biological mother. mother. And she talks about one of the photos in Anne Rule's book is there's a photo of her that was from evidence of her sitting in the hospital bed with the bullet wound on her arm. Like you can kind of see the exit wound. Yeah. And she's sitting in the bed and she said like she just remembers looking at her and her eyes were so emotionless. They were like empty. And she said it actually kind of scared her a little bit. And so she like she like put the book back and kind of just trailed off like was like I'm gonna put this out of my mind. Yeah I don't want to look at this anymore. But um growing up she like kind of started being a little bit more open about it with friends. And this is absolutely terrible. If I ever knew who this was I'd beat their face in. She had a boyfriend when she was 16 that tricked her into watching that movie. What the hell? He was like, oh, let's watch a movie. And he put that movie in and he tricked her into watching it. And she was like, I never wanted to see it, but I couldn't look away. She was like, that was my biological mother. That was the story that I didn't know. She was like, and then they talk about me. They talk about the baby she had and how she's through the trial and that's the baby. And like, that's me. Oh and my God. I was like, I would have freaking killed that guy. I would have been like, fuck if I were you. her parents, I would have been like, you cannot date this guy anymore. Yeah. He's out. I, I fucking would have showed up at their front doorstep and been like, I need to have a word with your fucking parents. I don't care if you're 16. I'm talking to your parents. Oh my God. Like what gave you the right <laughs> yeah. to fucking show this to my kid? So this kind of caused her to have a really bad identity crisis. And oh, I, no. this was so sad to listen to her talk about she dropped out of school. She started doing drugs. She was, no. she kind of moved out of her house. She didn't want to live with her parents. She hopped back and forth from boyfriends to friends. Um, anything she could to just not be home. And she eventually gets pregnant. She has a son. Um, 
she raises the son and then she gets pregnant again. And at this point she's like, I cannot financially afford a second, baby. A, a second baby. She's already raising the first son on her own. And so she ends up, um, she gives birth to the baby, but puts it up for adoption. Mm-hmm. And this is what leads her to reach out to Diane. No. Yep. So <laughs> she was like, well, that's kind of what happened to me. Like I was born and adopted away. Like my mother and my biological mother knows that pain. And she just want. she literally said it wasn't the fact that she wanted to speak with her biological mother. It was so much the fact that she wanted to talk to somebody who understood, who understood the pain she was going through. Okay. And but she doesn't because she's a fucking emotionless psychopath. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so she reaches out to Diane. She tracks her down and writes her a letter and they start writing letters frequently back and forth. And, Diane just kind of starts to spiral. And so the letters go from like an innocent like, oh, I I was shocked when I received your letter. I didn't know what to say. I, you know, I'm very happy to hear from you. Tell me about yourself to like she sent her one um, one letter that she sent was 12 pages and it was about her innocence. How she knew she was innocent. Yep. And then she also just like, and like, she just started like sending letter after letter after letter. I would move. To the point where Rebecca was like, okay, I haven't even sent you a letter. Stop fucking writing me. And oh my God. she was like, and they just got more and more bizarre. She said she started talking about conspiracy theories that people were out to get her. And because they were out to get her, they were going to hurt Rebecca. And she kept trying to tell Rebecca, like, you're in danger. There's people that want you dead. And she was like, what is going on? And she eventually tells Diane, stop writing to me. And she does she takes and she just stops writing do you think that she just was like i mean it just sounds like she was fucking bored in jail and she wanted to do exactly have something to fucking she, do that's she wanted somebody else to manipulate because uh, at that point she didn't have anything else right and this kid is like um no you're guilty yeah so uh, she cuts off contact with diane and this is when rebecca was like i'm gonna take control of my life and get my shit together and get my shit together get my story straight and she actually starts she did a couple interviews one of the interviews one of the big interviews she did was she did with oprah oh wow! and um she talks about finding out that her mother was a murderer and diane downs and her and learning about her and connecting with her and the crazy things that have happened and how it shaped her life and she got like stupid backlash for this people were like you just want the attention and she was like no i'm just trying to understand who i am she's like it took me a very long time to finally contact this woman that's supposed to be my biological mother and she's like i regret it i wish i never spoke to her she was like i spent my childhood not understanding and rebelling and just one big fucking identity crisis and she's like i just want to know me i want to make this my story i want to have control of it she's like i'm not diane down's daughter i'm rebecca babcock like she's like this is i'm doing this for me yeah like this woman birthed me but she's not my fucking mother and um she now lives happily with her son 
Yay. her one son and they actually do interview her son at one point in the interview um and he at that time was a sophomore in high school in the 2020 interview? in the 2020 interview okay. i'm not sure when that 2020 interview is from i believe it's only a couple years old okay so he's probably in college now but he basically said and i thought this was great he was like i don't he's like i'm kind of indifferent about the fact that diane downs is technically my grandmother he was like, I don't know her. I don't really care to know her. He was like, I just know I love my mom and we're doing what we need to do to be happy. Aww. And it was just so sweet. And I was like, oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> um, And so they're just doing their own thing. And she said that at one point they did actually try to reach out to Christy and Danny. And she said she exchanged a few messages with Christy, but they, as you've noticed, I didn't talk about them at all. Yeah. They, once they were adopted, went out. They were like, we're not doing this. We don't do interviews. They don't talk about this. They do not acknowledge this part of their life. I wouldn't. Um, As far as we know from what Rebecca learned while talking to her, Christy's happily married. She has a couple kids of her own. Um. But that's really it. That's all you really know about them. They Aww. will not talk about it. Um, I would. I mean, I, I'm the only person I would fucking talk about it with is my fucking therapist. Right? Like, I don't want to talk about that. It's traumatizing. And I mean, I think it's actually quite great that they were adopted by the lead prosecutor because they went through that trial. They understood all of the deep, dark details and the trauma that those kids faced. So it's like when those kids have terrifying nightmares when they have when and they have like PTSD is, yeah, and issues it's the at least the parents understand they can be there for them and i think that's such a great relationship i'm happy like that that's talk, who adopted to them and it's like great cuz like they i i don't want to sound like insensitive maybe this maybe i'm just thinking too much about it they don't have to talk about it with anybody else mhm because they're talking about it with their parents who went through Yep. a lot of this with them exactly and they probably trust them to an, a certain extent like you know i mean especially considering they, more I mean, than a certain extent they were adopted by the prosecutor so like this these people were they on know their the, side yeah, too they know like the deepest darkest secrets yeah. that are in their heads like, yeah and they they support them they know what they went through and it's there's no doubt of are you sure it wasn't your mother no or it was like, your mother like it there is like no doubt in their mind like i tried to prosecute your mother like i successfully prosecuted your mother and you know i yeah, understand like, they're like i don't need to talk about this with anybody but my family and my therapist because mm-hmm. they are the only ones that really understand me um that's crazy but uh diane was uh, denied parole in 2008 and 2010 good in her they talk about the um the interviews she gave for the parole hearings oh my god and like that she has just slowly slowly declined like her at one point they show they actually showed a clip of her at one of these parole meetings and she talks about she like sits there and she's like you know i'm a smart woman i am a few iq points short of intelligent or like short of genius or whatever the heck it is and she was like so like i wouldn't sit here and say i was innocent if i wasn't and like but Rambles. a lot of that, a lot of that decision go doesn't go into whether you think you're, um, you're guilty or not. It goes into do you show empathy exactly for what you've done. And she has never once apologized, never once. But um, because she won't admit that she even did it. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And Ugh. as a final note, she is eligible again for parole this year. No, she's not going to get. I don't think she will. She, they, um, there was a recent interview that talked about with her. They talked about the, I guess, um, she was in one of the prisons that the coronavirus went through. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. But she thinks that the coronavirus is going to play a big part in her next parole hearing. I'm like, seriously, they almost let go. Like, I know you don't know a lot about this case, but if anybody else out there has seen, has seen the, um, documentary, don't fuck with cats. Um, I can't. I had a hard time watching it because I have cats and I love them, but I watched it because I had no clue about the case, but, um, he was in one of the, one of the correctional facilities in Canada that got hit really badly with the coronavirus. And they thought about, I think this is true. If it's not, let me know. But I think that they were thinking about letting him go. No, God. (laughs) And then, and then they were like, nah. There would be way too much backlash if they tried to let him go. Oh, yeah. I mean, maybe it was not because of that. I mean, maybe I'm... I know that there were a couple of inmates that have pretty high-profile cases that because of the coronavirus, they were thinking of letting out, Mm. but then didn't end up doing it. And I think Luke Magnato was one of them, but Luca, his name's Luca, sorry. Luca Magnato. Luca Um, Magnato. So if I'm wrong, tell me, but there were... There were cases where they were like, oh, we're, it's overcrowding and yeah. coronavirus. And they were thinking about letting people out. But I'm at this point where if it's already gone through their prison and they haven't let anybody out, I don't think they're going I to. I don't think they will. And she doesn't seem at all empathetic in any way, shape or form. No. And there was no there was no mention of that parole hearing like being scheduled. There so was it's just, probably canceled for the foreseeable future. I was going to say the 2020 documentary said she'd be eligible for parole in 2020 all the articles i read said she is eligible as of right now but there was no mention of that hearing having happened or any date that it might happen wow crazy yeah so what a case that's diamond downs angry she's evil what and like there's a couple there's a couple other cases that if i was i was actually going to cover like more than one because there's a couple other cases that are very similar to hers of parents that have killed children and tried to deny it for like certain reasons yeah, there's another woman that um, drove her car into a lake yep that is susan smith yeah. and i was actually going to talk a little they talk they actually do mention her in the 2020 really yeah huh uh, her and there's a couple other ones that they talk about that have done very similar things and i was gonna talk about it but i ended up with so many notes that i was like i don't if i try and talk about this like i'm gonna have like an eight hour episode maybe we'll do a mini mixer this yeah because we were talking about this in like we have we have a facebook message that's like years long (laughs) not years because we haven't been doing this for years but it's basically years long. a lot of talking and we were like wow it would be cool you know because familicide is if you read the definition on Google, it says it's mo- the majority of the time done by men. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, and sometimes it ends in like murder suicide where the guy will commit suicide after yeah. murdering, his fa- murdering his family. But then there are other winners like, you know, Scott Peter, is it Peterson or Patterson? Scott Patterson? I think it's Peterson. I don't know. The Lacey, Lacey's husband. Yeah. Maybe I'm not thinking of the right person. His name is Scott, isn't it? I don't know. Anyway, that Lacey, <laughs> the Lacey girl um, that was um, pregnant and he killed her. And then, like, you know, Chris Watts 
and you know Scott Peterson. Yes. <laughs> okay. There's there's another guy with a very similar name um, from the documentary The Stairs. The Stairs or the sta- Yeah. Have you seen that? No. Oh my God! It's this guy that they like think like he pushed his wife down the stairs. Oh. And, like he like says he didn't do it, but I think his name also is like Patterson or something. Anyway. Um, they say it's a lot of the time with men, but there are these cases. Women technically tend don't they tend to not kill their um, significant others. It seems like they tend to kill their children. Yes, which the men do that too, but they also tend to kill, kill their spouse. Wo- yeah. So that's the interesting thing about you know. Well, no, it's not interesting. That's the one thing about familicide that's kind of yeah strange. Why is it usually men and not usually women? And if it is, and when there is a case that's a woman, why do they not kill their significant? They just kill the kids. Like why? That doesn't. It's it's interesting. It's it's just weird. Mm -hmm. It's a weird fact about it. Yeah, I don't like it. This I'm telling you guys this this month is going to be a doozy. Yeah, (laughs) it is. It was a lot of it was really hard to research and hard to watch. Just Mm -hmm. those poor kids. I know my next case has a lot of conspiracy theories. So now I've been going through those and going through going down the rabbit hole with those because now they're saying that maybe this person didn't do it. Oh, Oh, I mean, there's nobody to say he didn't, you know, I'm just, it's (sighs) (laughs) like we said, guys, this might be our first two parter. Most likely it's it's probably going to be a two parter. I already have nine, and a half pages of notes. Oh my god! So yeah, um, I'm so ready. <laughs> and I mean, I haven't even edited them. It's it's just my own babbling incoherence. Yeah. <laughs> um, so and I still have like a book to listen to and stuff. But th- this t- this topic's this is a good one. This is going to be an interesting topic. Sad yeah. and horrifying, Sad. but interesting. A good and interesting topic. So because there's a lot of cases. Yeah. We do this topic again. We really could. You know, you can probably do this whole thing again. So, anyway, guys. Yeah. <laughs> that was Diane Downs. What a ride. She's she's bad shit. I want to, like, jump through, like, whatever and kill her. <laughs> like, ah! Why would you murder your children? Oh. What the fuck? Anyway. There's just so many better ways. Like, if you just don't want your children, you can still put them up for adoption. Drop them off at a church. Do like, something. He's like, just don't fucking kill them. Oh, my God. Like, it's still terrible to abandon them, but at the same time, don't fucking murder them. Ugh. God. What the fuck? Anyway. Ugh. Anyway. Guys, where can they find us? <laughs> you guys, you can find us on so many social media platforms. So many. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook as Buzzkillers Podcast. You can find us on Twitter as Buzzkillers Pod. <laughs> um, we are on YouTube. Um, try to look up Buzzkillers, um, a true crime podcast. Mm-hmm. That tends to be popping up better than Buzzkillers. Um, but if you do Buzzkillers, a true crime podcast, it usually yeah. pops right up there. Um, Subscribe to us because once we get so many subscribers, we can make like an actual custom domain and like you can you, find us with buzz killers. you can find us so much easier yeah <laughs> my husband was like i can't find you what the heck all right yeah. like where <laughs> are you guys I had to send him a link. <laughs> so um and then obviously you can listen listen to us any place that you want to listen to a podcast except yeah. for pandora freaking pandora man it's been like two, two months. months 
Like I I sent in an application to be a part of their podcast thing a while ago. So maybe they hate us. I don't know. Anyway, Pandora, hurry. Maybe they hate us because they ain't us. What? (laughs) (laughs) They hate us because they ain't us. Anyway, um, yeah. Catch us next week. Yeah. We're going to have a really Oh, my God. Guys, fucking get settled next week. Like, come with your slippers and we just do. kick we have it. Blankets. Because, oh my god, we really do. <laughs> I, I got hot because we were drinking wine, and I took mine off. But we really do. We come to this in like comfy clothes and blankets. And blankets. We take off our shoes. <laughs> Billy is asleep on the couch. She's such a little baby girl. She's so good. She's got red paint on her paws because oh, we were decorating we were the sheets. sheets. Yeah, we decorated some sheets for the party that we're going to use to cover the furniture. And we like blood splattered them with red paint and handprints and stuff. And the dog, her paws were a little bit um, victimized by the red paint. (laughs) She kind of looks like she got hurt, but she didn't. She's not hurt. She's She's fine. Perfectly fine. Anyway, guys, we are happy that you're tuning in. Keep staying with us. We love hearing from all of you. We've been getting a lot of instagram comments and stuff like that and we we want to hear from you so yeah, tell us send more. us an email oh that's one thing um you can also find us on buzzkillerspodcast.com yes that's our um personal our domain. personal domain domain name sorry i can't <laughs> talk domain name that we made for our website it's awesome you can read about the wines that we drink you can read a little bit about us you can also Listen there if you want to, and you can send us an email. Um, we have a little mm-hmm. contact page. But if you're feeling rather rebellious or promiscuous, <laughs> um, calm down, Diane Downs. Calm down. You can uh, email us at buzzkillerspodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your spooky stories, things you wanted to hear about, stuff like that. So mm-hmm. let us know. Guys. Tell us things. Yeah, we want to know about you. We love you. We love you so much. Anyway, that's <laughs> that's that. And um, until next time. Yeah, until next time. We'll catch you next week. Okay, bye. bye.